Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Kalecki. And today we're talking about Donut County. Developed by Ben Esposito and published by Annapurna Interactive, Donut County was released in August of 2018 on iOS, Mac, PS4, and Windows, and then for Nintendo Switch and Xbox later on uh, in the same year. So we decided to play this game because it's short, sweet, and awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It worked out very well for me. Um, This is my first podcast since becoming a new dad. Hey! Congrats. Uh, And there's been a lot of late night feedings. uh, And, you know, I'm up there helping out Juliana as she's uh, feeding the kid taking the switch with me in a nice short sweet game that you don't have to think much about it's perfect for those 2 a.m to 5 a.m stretches hey how about that yeah i played this game uh, in a very different context closer to when it came out on a vacation so a little more relaxing probably <laughs> but uh, i think it works well in both situations honestly this is one of those games that can fit into like almost any part of your life because the levels are relatively short it's pretty like lightweight in terms of the mental load, at least until very late in the game. Um, and honestly, it's just it's pretty cool. Like it's a, it's a novel, fun little idea. Um, I have mm-hmm. to ask: on the Switch, was it mostly controlled through the joysticks or was it touchscreen? Joysticks. Uh, okay. Use the left joystick to move things around. I actually wish you could have u- used the uh, right joystick. That way, you could just play the game one-handed. But mm. eh, no such luck for this one. Right, so I played it on iOS, um, and actually replayed it on iOS for this uh, podcast when you told me we were playing it, since it's so short. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's so slight. It's a great casual game for new dadding, and a great <laughs> just a, a nice little experience. You know, it's very chill, and uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely got a vibe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's funny because the premise is so weird and esoteric. Like you play as a whole. You know, what if I told you there was a game about an all-consuming hole that was being opposed by a small group of survivors trapped deep beneath the earth? Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like Final Fantasy, maybe an action RPG or a shooter. Uh, no, no, a couple-hour-long indie game about hyper-capitalist raccoons. <laughs> you know, raccoon's gonna do as raccoon's gonna do. Amen. But, um, you know, they developed an app because they love trash, and, and here we are. Now we're, we're playing a game about trash-loving raccoons and the holes they create. Um, so this game, as I said, was developed by Ben Esposito, a solo development project, although he collaborated on the music. Um, but he worked on it for six years. So long dev oh, cycle no on this one. Whew. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he had, he had other things going on. I think he was working on the unfinished swan, um, as well, but yeah, it was uh, a six year dev cycle on this one. And, uh, it was, as I understand, inspired by a game jam idea based on the Peter Molyneux parody account, uh, Peter Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Peter Molyneux, if you know, uh, he's I guess a bit of more old hat for uh, game development these days, but uh, he was the kind of head designer for Fable, for Black and White, um, for Populous, I think, uh, and very famous for kind of promising these very world-beating game ideas, sometimes following through on that, but not always, but uh, having a lot of very out-there sort of things. So this uh, parody account, Peter Maladu, uh came up with a tweet that said, 
Uh, hang on, I think I got it pulled up here. You play as a whole. You must move around an environment, making certain elements fall into correct targets at the right time. And somebody took a look at this and said, hey, I, I see an actual game in there. <laughs> yeah, there, it turns out there was an actual game in there. And <laughs> yeah, Peter Peter Molyneux definitely sort of became a meme for like over-promising after a while. You know, he did have the early greatness in terms of those games you mentioned. Black and White was a favorite of mine. Um ambitious he was very ambitious very ambitious but always you know always a bit janky and and at some point it just sort of stopped working um (laughs) but i'm i think this is a brilliant idea for a game jam honestly i want to go back and revisit some of the other ones that (laughs) that may have come out of this because it's it's pretty funny um but initially ben as he started to develop the game based on this tweet described it as a whimsical physics toy which (laughs) i mean yeah yeah, it's pretty basic in in initial premise but through six years of development had had a lot of evolution they added a story around it and a lot of polish too tons of polish yeah but it also was in development long enough for it to be cloned um quite oh, no in, in, in a very big high profile way actually like maybe two months before it was released uh developer voodoo released a game called hole.io and then got 200 million dollars from goldman sachs and investment so um yeah that probably kind of sucked for ben and the team but um i think they made the better game at the end of the day so that's what counts right <laughs> and you know if uh these hole.io thing if this was a whole like uh a whole s- heist movie sort of thing to scam the hedge funds out of some money hey power to that <laughs> yeah honestly i have no idea where uh voodoo or that developer went i know hole.io was a you know very successful uh ios game but i don't know i don't know maybe they made more stuff who cares they none of it is probably as good as this game donut county um, Donut county's great yeah so we will we'll stick to talking about that one and uh fuck people who clone games I feel like that's bigger on the mobile uh, platforms than it is on, say, like, I play this on the Switch or, you know, play it on the PC or something else like that. Just, like, maybe more of a culture of that on the iOS. It definitely is. You know, things are probably faster to prototype, and then it's so easy to, like, get a game out on on iOS compared to some other platforms. Um, So, yeah, you're you're probably, you're, well, you are right in that cloning on iOS, you know, Threes was a very high profile case of a game being cloned. Um, Uh, Tiny Town or whatever that one was called, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're right, it's an epidemic and it has been for several years. So, um, yeah, you know, until we find a good way to figure out how to deal with game mechanics from a copyright and you know, originality perspective is kind of just going to be a thing that happens. But yeah, that's a bigger problem than we're here to solve. Let's talk about Donut <laughs> County. <laughs> All right. So in Donut County, uh, we've alluded to this before. You play as a raccoon, uh, a raccoon who is a donut shop employee, except instead of delivering donuts, you swallow everything into an ever expanding hole. Yeah, that's right. You, you're sort of introduced to this premise as uh, a human, Mira, is sort of berating her friend BK, a raccoon, um, who works at the local donut shop in Donut County. And um, it's really clear that BK is behind all of these holes, like right off the bat. it's He's trying <laughs> to deny it. He's not convincing anyone. It's It's very funny and endearing. 
So you have these uh, levels where you play as the hole, and then there's interstitials where you play as BK and all the townsfolk around a campfire, while the townsfolk tell BK what a terrible person, a terrible raccoon he is, and BK is trying to deny it as best as he can. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They sort of frame the first few levels in like, how were you victimized by the hole? And <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny, um, but it, it sort of puts in place sort of these moving parts that are slowly going to fill out how the, the story uh, that frames all of these levels that you're going about using the hole on progress. And maybe we should take a minute to talk about that hole mechanic because it is sort of the central thing about this game. Mm-hmm. Um so you play as a hole basically in each of the levels <laughs> and you're slowly but surely you're you know initially you're finding whatever will fit in the hole and uh sucking it down into the hole and the hole grows for each thing that goes into it so it is kind of like katamari like that like i think that's the most obvious comparison to that both in terms of kind of whimsy and an actual mechanics uh you're trying to get larger and larger so you can swallow more and more Yep, yep. It's very much, it feels very Katamari-esque, even though it's kind of the opposite. Instead of, like, continually growing a mass, you're continually growing a lack of mass. <laughs> you're growing <laughs> a whole. Um, but they introduce some clever interactions to this that mm-hmm. ch- changes it up from Katamari in, in an, enough of a way to me to feel you know not at all similar really by the end of the game um you know you can go to water and the hole fills up with water and so things will float on it and you can bring them over to to wherever they need to go or um you swallow some fire and all of a sudden your hole starts smoking um you know there's Mm -hmm. interesting interactions like that that allow you to sort of solve puzzles in the in the areas Yeah, I think that's a big difference between this game and Katamari is um, Katamari was all about like the navigation. It had its unwieldy tank controls for the ball as you're trying to move around and you're trying to avoid enemies that are coming at you. So it's kind of almost more action, whereas this was almost more of a puzzle uh, kind of game. Like each of these small levels had a mechanic like oh, here's one where you're in a sort of river and your hole gets filled with water. Or here's one where um, a snake is sticking out of its hole once you try to swallow it and you try to use the snake to scare chickens around. Or here's one, I loved this one, the rabbits level, where (laughs) the way you got your hole was bigger was to get two... Uh, two different rabbits into your hole and then you see all these little hearts pop out of it and your hole just expands and expands then. So <laughs> it's like these. each of these levels has this tiny mechanic you gotta figure out and figure out how to um, exploit it to swallow everything in sight. And, and I'm just gonna put a blanket phrasing warning over all of the discussion of the mechanics around the hole. Um, it's just gonna be a problem. We're just gonna have to ignore for the the purposes of discussing <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole. <laughs> hey, I, I I was clean. You're the one making it dirty here. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting how these levels work because, uh, as you mentioned, you're kind of just going through and destroying them. Uh, your hole will slowly but surely absorb all of the various aspects of the things in the level. They are really pretty and like pastoral or, you know, cityscapes that are sort of, you know, down home and, and nice, you know, slums, but endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of weird to know as an undercurrent of the whole experience that you're not doing something good here by absorbing <laughs> everything into a, a gigantic hole. The mechanics in this game 
were very, very good. They felt very polished. Um, I thought one of the little tiny pleasures of the game was when you would, um, there'd be an object that was very short, but very long as well. And the way you'd get it to slide into the hole would be once your hole was large enough from swallowing everything up around, uh, you'd kind of get it to be halfway underneath it, and then it would slowly tip upwards, and then right. just slide in like a sinking Titanic. And every time that happened, it just it felt good. That's true. Yeah, it was always nice to to see something that maybe shouldn't have looked like it would work work, and it, it felt like you were manipulating a physics puzzle in a very satisfying way. Yeah, this is, this is probably one of my favorite physics games. If I had to think about like physics puzzlers. This game does a great job with it. Yeah, it, it really does. It, it's like a, a simple enough act of manipulating something with physics that it leaves lots of room for like weird little nuances, but also like it's always going to work out, right? Like they know what size something needs to be <laughs> to, to be accepted into the hole. And um, worth saying, too, is these are very small levels. Like you're always just on a single screen at a time with the exception of, I think, the final level you go through. Uh, so it's never like you're looking around, where can I find more objects to make my hole large enough to swallow this house? No, it's it's right there in front of you. It keeps it short and sweet. Yeah, you're never sort of like exploring around. This isn't an open world whole game. Um, although, sequel, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think... Um, I thought about that as I was playing this is like there's no really exploration going on in these levels sort of like there was in Katamari I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest difference to me is like this is more of a scene based uh, situation mm -hmm. where Katamari did feel a lot more open ended um, and I think it works out well for the form factor that this game or the, at least maybe the game factor that this is trying to be since we played it on different form factors but this game is trying to be short quick hits right the levels are at most three minutes long a piece maybe mm -hmm. uh, at least until the very end but i liked that about it like you know there's 14 15 levels here they're three four minutes a piece you get maybe an hour and a half out of this game and it's done it's nice quick small short levels um they all introduce something unique and interesting um sort of like mario in that regards or modern mario at least it's always just giving you something new and never like letting it stick around too long or letting it get old yeah, uh, definitely with the different puzzle aspects they had, they were always very short and localized. It's never like you're backtracking halfway across a level with a key. Um, well, halfway across a level takes about five seconds to do in this yeah. game. <laughs> I do kind of wish they had a couple more levels where you got that sense of scale you had in Katamari, where you were part of a larger thing now because uh, your whole size got upgraded. So now you're taking, you you took down the house, now you're taking down the city block or something like that. And this game just kind of hinted in that direction. But, you know, if I could ask this guy to tack another two years of dev time on it, um, <laughs> I would have asked for some of those more expanding levels, the kind of feel you got from Katamari. Yeah, I feel like he could only let it get so apocalyptic, you know, like at some point, like even Katamari started to feel a little like, you know, we talked about the existential dread of being caught up in the Katamari and the existential dread of being uh, trapped in a, a hole is even worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, basically, this is like what Florida is facing, you know, sinkholes opening up all over the place and... <laughs> This game definitely does have a strong sense of humor uh, in terms of people falling into the hole. Like, 
in between every level, uh, there's BK defending himself against uh, accusations that he's like ruined the town. And he actually kind of convinces some of those uh, townspeople that he did a good job. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, there was one park <laughs> ranger who was like, "Oh yeah, it was it was awful. I ordered a donut because I was I was being chased by all these bees, snakes." And <laughs> the, uh, later on, oh later the on, bee one, the, okay, the got it, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, BK's like, sounds like I just saved a civil servant from being <laughs> overrun by bees. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you did. And then there was the time that he sucked up the terrible soup restaurant with the hole. And everyone was like, yeah, that restaurant sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very lighthearted, very whimsical. And not in the existential way that Katamari could sometimes be. Yeah, it's definitely like, if we're talking about the game's humor, it definitely works because the writing is like twee but like not annoyingly twee it's lighthearted, sort of internet humor writing it's um funny sort of endearing and it doesn't get too annoying at least to me i, I know there's probably people whose mileage may vary with this but it, you know i thought this game was pretty well written now the cutscenes were short in between they never overstayed their welcome uh and you know pound for pound the dialogue had a lot of good lines in it good jokes uh mm-hmm. good wit to it yeah a lot of puns uh surprisingly and um it, it definitely it worked for me and even the way it was constructed like it was smart for them to put a framing story around this because it's obvious that you're doing something kind of reprehensible throughout the entire game right mm-hmm. and you need to characterize that with uh either uh a person doing it who is hapless or gets a redemption arc, which BK, the person who you're initially playing as, does. So that to me was sort of the game's coup d'etat was like, initially you're just sort of swallowing up these little environments and um, not thinking too much about it. And then slowly but surely you're attaching characters to them and you're like, oh no, am I the bad guy? (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, by the time you're realizing that you're the bad guy, the game's starting to make the, the turn to allowing you to see that you're working towards a redemption story. And it's very deftly done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like um, the whole redemption story, I thought it was pretty charming too. Like uh, after BK swallowed up all of Donut County into the hole, the raccoons come around because he got so much good trash out of um, Donut County and they basically build LA on top <laughs> of yeah. where they go because they, they go out of the hole in the hot air balloon and it's like, oh, look, it's LA. And I, it's just so whimsical. Like the final showdown in the game was at the Getty Museum of Art, up in the up in the hills of L.A. And it was it was funny just to like have that there and have that be sucked into your gigantic hole. Yeah, it was it was interesting after a little while to realize that this is all taking place in L.A. Like I'm sure people who live in L.A. probably clocked that like immediately, but for me, you know, it was extremely obvious by the time you see the raccoon. Um, city like Hollywood sign analog but there were things before that that could have tipped you off too like the coastal aspects of it that looked a lot like Venice Beach or Joshua Tree Park yeah Joshua Tree yeah (laughs) I guess that was probably the first giveaway was the fact that something happened at Joshua Tree (laughs) but um no I think it worked out pretty well and there's an interesting story behind why it's set in LA too uh originally they uh Ben had made this uh, story about the it was a Hopi Indian theme right and the whole was sort of making its way through a, a Hopi Indian themed world and you know there were lots of Hopi names and Hopi art and themes but he decided that 
uh, he was just sort of appropriating that, given that he was not Hopi. So, changed that, and apparently there's a whole talk that he gave at GDC about um, uh, failure in design choices. Uh, it was called the Failure Workshop, and he and several others gave that talk, which is, uh, I didn't watch it, but I've heard it's very good. So, if you want to hear about recovering from failure in video game design, watch that GDC talk, apparently. That sounds interesting. There's so many good GDC talks out there. Yeah, and I think this is a really good thing to do if you're in a position like Ben was, right? Like, he clearly made a decision that was regrettable, uh, decided to own up to it, not only decided to own up to it, but basically um, publicly talked about it in a very professional setting. And then um, now there's lots of people out there that are benefiting from his failure. So, I mean, that's kind of the dream. If you're going to fail, fail for a purpose fail upwards <laughs> not in the way that most people <laughs> mean that <laughs> but uh yes agreed going back to the writing uh one thing that i always enjoyed about the writing is that you would always get a few quick hit jokes at the end of every level by going through the trashopedia which is basically <laughs> just a, a list of all of the things that you uh, had fall in the hole. And um, I guess it's BK's description of what each of those things are. And I found these, uh, most of them were kind of lame or, you know, just sort of like a description that didn't warrant a, more than a chuckle. But some of them were quite funny. And uh, I don't I, know, I, I found the whole them. thing really endearing, uh, yeah. just the different you know throw a thousand jokes out there and see what sticks they did it you know uh, ben has a good sense of humor i feel very confident in saying and it was good to read his descriptions of items from a raccoon perspective yeah like um a snake danger noodle (laughs) (laughs) or uh the fry tray terrible way to protect your fries or the soup can completely impenetrable soup fortress (laughs) pretty good um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I agree. Lots of funny little quips. Um, You know, not everyone's a banger, but a lot of them were good enough to make uh, scrolling through that at the end of every level a very enjoyable experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another thing that made every level a very enjoyable experience to me was uh, the music. Uh, And Josh, I don't know if you were able to clock the music. You may have been playing with headphones. You may have not. Uh, What was your, your take on that? I had the music pretty soft the whole time. Uh, this was another one where I will yield to Brian's superior insights on the music. Okay. Well, real quick on the music, um, it's it's pretty generally pretty chill. It generally did its job in the way that you most like it to, in which it, after a little while it fades into the background. It just sort of becomes a vibe. Um, but it had a, a really cool... Uh, I think I heard, you know, because... Uh, ben has talked about a lot of aspects of this game. He described it as uh, sort of an L.A. vibe in the 2000s in which it's sort of like it's got a beat, but it also has a bright ukulele going on. Um, it's it's cool music. It, it definitely works for the game, uh, which I guess is all you can really ask for video game music. But I think it works. It, it more than works. There's definitely some aspects of the soundtrack that stand out to me. One of them being like the track that plays at the end of every level. Uh, it's sort of like a honky, goofy um, I do remember the quacky. Yeah. <laughs> while you get the while you're leveling up to get to the quadricopter reward. Yeah, it definitely it, it's it's another it's a vibe. Um, but the music's very good. And while we're talking about music, the, this game has, in addition to the musical style and, and art style, that's super pastel and colorful. And I think that was used to try and offset the fact that you were doing things to 
beautiful environments such as destroying them or burning them or <laughs> causing them to explode and then uh, taking them into the center of the earth. It's definitely what might be referred to today as kind of a low-poly art style, uh, but done in a very good way. The great color palette on this game, like everything was very bright and colorful, and it helped uh, keep with that whimsical vibe of the game. The whimsical ukulele vibe. Yes, yes, it did definitely have a whimsical ukulele vibe, and it was varied enough from level to level to keep it interesting, right? Like, um, you would think that if something had such a uh, a pronounced style that it might get samey at some point given that we were playing through maybe you know 16 17 levels or something like that but it kept varying the color palette in, in interesting ways and um nothing looked samey to me during this game i'd agree with that um there was just enough variety in the objects you were putting in and the challenges the game was asking you to do that i never really felt like i was playing the same level twice unlike katamari <laughs> that's true because you actually were playing the same level twice <laughs> um it's not to take away from katamari though you know honestly like if we were to do a, a duo cast comparing these two that would be interesting but it would also be probably too long for the fact that both of these games are nice and short um and that's kind of a strength of them to to my um or from what i think you know i like a, a nice short game katamari i think i praised to the end of our cast for being a short game that you could just um, get through in like a weekend and be happy with this is a game you could get through in an afternoon and be happy with hmm. and um, mm-hmm. as you know we get older and busier and uh, other things like babies or other things come into our mm-hmm. lives um, that is increasingly valuable absolutely uh, something you can pick up and put down I mean I know if we've talked about this much before in the podcast but I feel like the switch especially is great as a new parent kind mm. of thing like you're, oh, you got to go do something, just turn the power off. It sleeps, and you pick it back up later on when you need to get, need to get back to it. I agree with that, and I also feel the same way about the uh, the iPhone and iPad as gaming uh, devices as well. Um, so that is a nice thing. I think this game does that extremely well, right? The levels are short. They give you a full experience while still you know giving you plenty of options to stop. Um, quick saving and checkpointing is extremely frequent, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, given every level is only three minutes long and they checkpoint before and after every exposition dump between the levels, which again are only two to three minutes in length. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't ask for much more accessibility in terms of the ability to say, oh, I got to stop and run and do something. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. This game, um, doesn't outstay its welcome mechanically. I mean, like I mentioned before, I almost wish it was a little bit longer and explored a little bit more, but you can't fault a game as strong as this one is for, um, you know, retiring at the top of its game. So with that, why don't we sum up our thoughts with a three-word review. My three-word review is a whole vibe. If I had to summarize this game in one phrase, I guess I'd have to say it's a whole vibe. 
As we said before, with Kentucky Route Zero, it's not strictly environmentalist or anti-capitalist or anti-colonialist, but it's a little bit about each and is a healthy dose of internet culture to enhance or further obscure the overall feel. At points, I was just playing to see the next pretty environment I'd get to suck into a hole, and that definitely strikes me as a message of some sort as well, although hell if I know what it is. Uh, Donut County is a whole vibe, in the best way, and it's a great way to spend an hour or two. And that's why a whole vibe is my three-word review. My three-word review for this game is Sunday Afternoon Beer. (laughs) It was light, it was refreshing, it was exactly what I was needing, and didn't last too long, didn't overstay its welcome. A++ would play this game again, probably will play this game again. Uh, But, you know, just exactly what I was needing during those 2 a.m. night feeding shifts. So this game to me was as refreshing and as welcome as a nice beer on a uh, warm Sunday afternoon. I think there's a double uh, meaning there too, because uh, you could say Sunday as in a sun, like your sun, which you played this Uh, game uh, along uh, with. (laughs) Sun and night, long, long nights. (laughs) Yep. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Well, you could probably tell both of us uh, very much enjoyed our time with Donut County. Um, Give it a try. It's worth your time. It's worth your money. It's worth worth playing. And so with that, I want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Kalecki. Take care and have a garbage day. slogan <laughs> i know right like um i always every time i saw that loading screen i was like that's genius uh, <laughs> <laughs> have a garbage day <laughs> it got you in the mindset of the raccoons that's right um i'm just gonna i guess if i still used like um tone like ringtones or text tones on my phone um you saying have a garbage day would probably be what i'd have for your text tone <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that um I, I was just thinking now that reminded me of early on in the game um when you first see bk and he's texting in the donut shop uh you see a poster behind him that says trash king and i just <laughs> thought it was a little bit of like throwaway ephemeralness um but hey it turns out to be a major plot point later on in the game yeah, that's true. The Trash King is sort of the uh, the Mark Zuckerbergs to uh, mm. Garbage Incorporated's Facebook. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, yeah, it is interesting to me how there's sort of like a startup culture vibe going on around the uh, the Trash Inc. or whatever the raccoons are calling their big company. Um, I-, I felt more like franchises rather than startups. But what do you mean by startups? Like, what were you getting from that? I was just getting sort of like, a, I mentioned this in my three-word review, but like just sort of a rabid capitalism. <laughs> just like yeah, people yeah, that definitely. are, yeah, yeah, just super horny for like entrepreneurship and doing their own thing. And, um, you know, I think there's definitely a commentary here on gamification too. Like, 
<laughs> you know, the like rank the, system they had. BK is so hyper fixated on getting from level nine to level ten so he can get his quadcopter. <laughs> Which was hilarious because, like, um, after that first mission you do, where you kind of introduce the mechanic and the physics, and the interstitial is like everyone's caught underground, and BK's like, Why'd you smash my quadcopter? <laughs> and then I like how the solution to um, getting out of underground is for him to get the catapult upgrade for his quadcopter working and build a giant catapult to get everyone out of the underground. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's, I don't know, there's definitely a commentary and gamification going on here. I, I don't know, I I treated this game as lightly as it treated me, which is I didn't give it like a ton of super critical thought, which I think is okay. You know, it's, it's a vibe, as I said. <laughs> yeah, this game's like a feeling more than... Um... It's a feeling more than a message. Yeah, and I think sometimes that works better, right? Like, sometimes if you're communicating things with feeling and emotion more so than text and, you know, gospel, that that works on people a little better. Like, put it in terms that they can understand or feel on a fundamental level rather than asking them to, you know, engage in analysis. Hmm. You know what I found interesting, just doing a little bit of Wikipedia diving here, is the publisher Annapurna Interactive not only published Donut County, but also Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> Unsurprising. Uh, Annapurna is like quite the rock star publisher, actually. Like I played, yeah. I played several of their games in the last year, and usually I'm looking forward to the next one to come out. Now I'm looking at these other games. They did Gone Home, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, Flower, um, Cyanor Wild Hearts. Uh, hang on, there was an, another one, I think. Uh, Outer Wilds. The Pathless, which I played and uh, made my game of the year list last year. Um, Wasn't The Pathless? Was that by uh, Austin Walker? Like, was he working on that? Uh, no, no. That's... Um, Austin Walker's the game critic, and he worked on Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. He wrote a, a story for that. I don't know if Annapurna put that one out. Who was the guy who did the soundtrack for Journey? Oh, Austin Wintry is the one you're thinking Wintry. of. Wintry, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Annapurna is also responsible for that whole, uh, the Genova Chen folks, you know, Journey, Flower, um, Flow, things of that nature. So yeah, they're, they're basically like... <laughs> you know, they're the Studio Ghibli of indie video games. <laughs> it says that Annapurna Interact Interactive is an off offshoot of Annapurna Pictures, huh. a movie business. Interesting. I've never seen any of their movies, but I've played uh, probably 75% of their games. These guys are heavy hitters. I'm looking at their movie list, too. They got uh, Zero Dark 30, Her, American Hustle. Like, somehow these guys are, like, killing it everywhere. I didn't realize that they were responsible for those films. I need to look more into Annapurna's films now. I've watched several of those, or I've watched both of those that you named. Huh. I haven't seen Zero Dark Thirty, but I did see Her, Her was fantastic. American Hustle was really good, too. Yep, I, both of those are, were quite good. Sorry to bother you? Are you kidding me? Have you oh, seen Sorry to Bother yeah, You? Yeah, that, that was a great movie. That's an incredible movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because, you know, I'd lived in Oakland for a while, so I was like, 
recognizing some of the landmarks and places and things like that. Yeah, that movie's crazy. I, uh... Hmm. These guys are fucking killing it. Yeah, jeez. Sometimes there's just a I'm company. Like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> <laughs>